You're listening to Leading and Learning. This is the place where we talk about practical leadership, theology, fitness, how to create winning habits, and so much more. My name is David Spell, and I'm a retired police officer, a pastor, a New Testament scholar, and a leadership coach. My goal on leading and learning is to help you live your best life. Thanks so much for joining us today. Welcome back to Leading and Learning. This is episode number 284, Keys to Unlocking Your Destiny, Part 3. So in this series, we've been discussing how to really unlock what God has called us to do. What's the plan for my life? This is something we all, you know, I'm in, in my late 50s, and, and it's still something that, that I come to terms with. I, I pray over it. I want to make sure that up until my last breath, until I take my last breath, I'm living the life God has called me to live. And I hope you take it that seriously too, because God has called each of us to something special. He hasn't called us to just a normal average life. He's called us to to live out His purposes. But what's interesting is God doesn't just send us an email or a text. It would be so good if He did. One time I was actually speaking to a a group of teenagers, and and I, and I made that statement. I said, you know, God doesn't just send us a text or an email. He, we have to kind of wrestle with finding out what our, our purpose is. So, so He doesn't just send us a text. And one of the girls shouted out, she said, man, I wished He would. It would be so much easier. And, and I feel you, girl. It just doesn't work that way. It just doesn't work that way. So we started off with a passage of Scripture, and we're going to kind of delve into this passage of Scripture again, and then we'll do a quick recap and then jump into uh, part three. And this is from Matthew 16. Now, when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say that the Son of Man is? And they said, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. But he said to them, but who do you say that I am? Simon Peter replied, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, or Simon, son of John, is what that actually says in the translation. For flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I tell you, you are Peter. And on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. That's Matthew 16, 13 to 19. You know, if you've taken a philosophy class or you've taken a self-help class uh, or, or a seminar, you know, you usually start off with these two questions. Who am I and why am I here? And we think that those are the two most important questions in life. Who am I and why am I here? But I would argue that those are number two and three as far as important questions in life. The first question, the most important question is, who is Jesus? Because it's only as we come to terms with who Jesus is that that, that really we can begin to understand who we are. 
And, and you know, we seem to take it for granted if, if I grew up in church or, or I grew up in a Christian home that, that, of course, I know who Jesus is. But the reality is I run into lots of people who call themselves Christians, and I'm not judging or doubting them. They may very well be. But when you start having a conversation with them and you start talking, you realize they really don't have any idea who Jesus is and what he requires of them. And so that's kind of what we're, we're delving into here. The first thing Jesus asked his disciples was, who do people say that I am? And if you ask your friends that, you'll get a lot of different answers. Well, he's a prophet. He's a teacher. He was a great man. He was a social justice warrior. You're going to get a lot of different ideas on who Jesus was, but are they correct? But then Jesus asks, asked the disciples, he said, but who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter said, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And once Jesus saw that Peter understood, now he told Peter who he was. In fact, he actually renamed him. He said, he said blessed are you, Simon. He said, and I'm going to rename you. I'm going to call you Petros. I'm going to call you the rock. And that's what he became in the early church. Simon Peter became the, the leader of the early church and was responsible for so much of, of, of the growth of Christianity in the um, you know, first, first century. So very powerful to understand who Jesus is. But because once we understand who he is, he begins to tell us who we are. And, you know, once we begin to find out who we are, then we begin to find out why we're here. So what we began to do last week is, you know, Jesus said, I'm going to give you some keys, Peter. And so we began to look at these keys. So second, the second episode, we looked at a couple of those keys. Um, the first one was faith. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. We said that faith is the currency of the kingdom. Now, this is a big deal because... In society, and sadly, even in the church, we seem to have this idea that if I'm just sincere, that, that God will bless me. Well, it doesn't say that. There's nowhere in the Bible that says God blesses sincerity. It says He blesses faith. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. And so, so really, faith is this powerful thing. And we, we, we said this, and this is a powerful statement. It said, God doesn't answer vague prayers. Faith comes when we begin to pray specific prayers and um, seeking God for specific answers. And this, of course, this has to do with unlocking our destiny is what we're talking about in this, this series. And then the second key is generosity. Faith leads to generosity. Generosity is another powerful key to unlocking our destiny. You know, people that are generous tend to live big lives. They tend to be those people who, who have a grasp on what what God has called them to do. They, they want to help other people. Because when we think of generosity, we think of just giving financially, which is a huge part of it. It's very, very important. But it's so much bigger than that. We talked about being generous with our time, with our talent, and then, of course, with our treasure or our resources. So, so generosity is another one of those things that unlocks our destiny. Faith and then generosity. And then today, we've got three more that we're going to jump into. And... When we come back, I will unlock, see what I did there? I'll unlock these last three keys. We'll 
don't go away. Like I said, we'll be right back. I just want to let you know that this episode of Leading and Learning is brought to you by my book, Where the Vultures Gather. Where the Vultures Gather is book six in my fiction series. And what I've been doing over the last several weeks is each week just highlighting one of my novels because I'm getting ready to release another one. It's going to be different from the series, um, slightly related, but um, some of the characters are going to be the same, but it's going to be a totally different plot twist, totally different turns, and um, I think you're really going to enjoy it. But Where the Vultures Gather was book six in the Zombie Terror War series. But as, as I've explained before, books one to six, there was a start and there was a finish to the crisis. And, you know, what people love the characters. There's romance. There's excitement. There's a whole lot of shootouts and, and, and a lot of action. But in ver- uh, book six, we tie it all together. Book six brings the series to a close, but we also introduce some new bad guys. Um, and, and I think... And this is what I keep hearing from people. It's almost like reading the news because I'm pulling events from the news and you're seeing so much stuff that that really uh, is not so far-fetched. Obviously, the zombies are a little bit, but other than that, um, you know, there's so much here that that people, you know, read the book and they say, my gosh, this is, this is like, you know, today, this is like real stuff. So listen, I don't want to give any of the plot away. It's too exciting. But all you need to do is click on the link. It'll take you right to the books page on Amazon. And you can actually read the first chapter or two for free. See if you like it. See if it interests you. And then if you do, click the buy button. I appreciate your support. And then I'd love for you to give it a review. So check out Where the Vultures Gather. All right. Well, we're back. We're talking about keys to unlocking our destiny. And today, the first one we're going to talk about is humility. Humility. Paul said this in, in Romans 12, he says, For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of yourself more highly than you ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. Don't think of yourself more highly than you ought to think. You know, humility is one of those interesting things. You know, we we, we all know that we need to be humble, and yet pride is the original sin. We all struggle with it, you know, to some degree or other. It's there. We can't help it. And pride is one of those things that masquerades itself in so many different ways. And I want to throw out maybe two things, two ideas to help us really develop genuine humility. The first one is this, serving other people serving other people. This is a major factor in unlocking your destiny. Jesus even said that, that, that those who would wish to be the greatest in the kingdom of heaven should take the back seat. They should be the ones who are serving other people. And, and as, as Christians, um, we of all people should be the ones who look for opportunities to serve those around us. Now listen, even in serving, we can get proud of ourselves and we can make sure we tell everybody what we've done. But you'll know if that's the attitude of your heart. Serving others without looking for any reward is a valuable uh, tool to helping us unlock our destiny. In fact, what we see in our church, and this is something that I teach churches all the time, 
When we create a culture of serving, we create a group of people who are finding and unlocking their destinies. Because as I begin to serve other people and as I begin to serve God's house and looking for ways to help build God's house, He begins to build my life and and help me to unlock what He's called me to. A second way that we can develop humility is by staying teachable. And, And when I say staying teachable, I mean we're always looking to learn something new. That means we become better listeners. Listen, all of us, and and I'm speaking to myself too, it's very easy to fall into that trap in a conversation to where I'm not really listening. I'm just thinking about the next thing I'm going to say. Instead of becoming an active listener, what can I learn from this person? What can they teach me? And when I become teachable, then my heart stays soft and I'm much more likely to hear what God has called me to do. I can't tell you how many times over the years I've talked to people and they're they're just absolutely miserable in their job. They 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 really feel like, you know, they're just it's just grinding, they hate it. And you know, you start asking questions about, well, listen, why don't you you look to change? Oh, no, no, no. This is what this is what I've got to do. I mean, I I can't change. I mean, I've got too much invested. I've got college. I've got a degree. I've got a master's degree. I can't change. And, you know, they just don't want to listen. Um, you know, if somebody wants help, then they've got to be willing to listen. So serving others and being teachable are two ways that humility shows itself. Number four. So we've talked about Faith, generosity, humility, and now we're talking about number four, the key to unlocking our destiny is thankfulness. Thankfulness. This shifts our perspective from looking down to looking up. When I develop a thankful heart towards other people and to God, I'm getting my eyes off of myself. Listen, you know, this is a great little test, and I use it on myself all the time. How much time when I'm praying do I spend thanking God as opposed to asking God. And you know, there's just a, a powerful, powerful dynamic that takes place when, when I begin to just thank God for all He's given us. Thank God for all He's given me, for the blessings that I've experienced. It shifts my perspective. When I become a thankful person at work, when I become a thankful person in my family, um, when someone does something for me, I'm not you know, expecting it, and I, and, I, and I give genuine thankfulness. And so this is another key that really helps us to shift our perspective and, and to unlock the, the destiny that God's called us to. And then one more, number five. This is the fifth key. The fifth key, and it's love. Now, you know, it's like, oh yeah, right. Love makes the world go round. You know, the love that God talks about in the Bible is very different from what we think of love. You know, love is often just kind of, you know, in fact, I even hear Christians kind of flippantly say, oh yeah, yeah, love God, love others. Oh yeah, I love God. Oh yeah, I love God, I love other people. But I think we're doing ourselves a disservice by just kind of uh, making it a little motto we put on our business cards or, you know, um, on on our website. Love is active and love requires something of me. Anything less is not God's love. Let me give you an example. This is 
from, from, from the Bible, Mark 12, 30, and 31. And you, this is Jesus talking, he says, And you shall love the Lord your God. Okay, easy enough. Love God. Easy, right? That's what we're talking about. No, no, no. Listen to what Jesus said. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. When I hear a, you know, a, a rap star or a movie star who's, you know, just made some terribly um, uh, immoral movie or, 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 or music that's just, you know, glorifying bad things, get up and say, hey, I want to thank God. And I'm sure if you were to ask that person, hey, you love God? Oh, yeah, man, I love God. Me and God are cool. Listen to what Jesus said. Love the Lord your God with what? With all your heart with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. There is something that God is requiring of us when we love Him. We can't just give lip service to it. He's asking that we love Him with our entire, with our entire being. You want to unlock your destiny? Develop this kind of love for God. Not the just, you know, little flippant kind of love, but the kind of love that loves Him with your heart, with your soul, with your mind, and your strength. But then Jesus goes on and he says, the second great commandment is this, you shall love your neighbor. Well, that's easy, right? Yeah, I mean, I love my neighbor. No, that's not what Jesus said. He said, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Well, now Jesus is requiring something of me because I love myself. I take good care of myself. Um... I make sure I've got plenty to eat. I make sure I've got clothes. I make sure I take care of myself. Well, I'm called to love my neighbor as myself. To love others requires something of me. And then Jesus closed it out by saying, there's no, command, there's no other commandment greater than these two. So, loving God, loving others, but not just in a flippant way, loving God with everything that we have and loving our neighbors as we love ourselves. But then Jesus actually ratcheted it up a notch. He, he, he actually made it even more difficult. He told his disciples later, he says, A new commandment I give you, that you love one another just as I have loved you. You are also to love one another. And that's John 13, 34. So love each other. Like Jesus has loved us. Well, that's that's rough because that's sacrificial love. He laid his life down for me. He endured hardship for me. He, Yeah, that's, that's tough, Jesus. Now, remember what we're talking about here. We're talking about keys to unlock our destiny. Well, well these keys, these, these five things that we've talked about, um, obviously we're talking about a lifetime of developing these, these, these attitudes, these characteristics, these these qualities that we want to have in our life. But when we begin to focus on them now, what you're going to find is you will unlock what God has called you to. You know, love ties everything together. If we can even begin to start there and begin to work backwards, love, focusing on loving God and loving other people in the correct way, sacrificing ourselves, um, taking care of those around us, looking for ways to truly love others, being thankful for what God's given us, living a humble lifestyle by serving others and being teachable, by being generous, and then by, by having faith. These things are going to unlock our destiny. You're going to just turn around one day and realize you are living the life 
that you've always wanted to live. You might not even realize it because you're so caught up in just enjoying the journey and enjoying you know, living the life that God's called you to. You might not even realize you are exactly where you're supposed to be living the life that God has called you to live. Well, friends, I would love to hear from you. What did I miss? We talked about faith, generosity, humility, thankfulness, and love. Are there any other keys to the kingdom that I missed? I'd love to hear from you. Go to davidspell.com, leave a question or comment in the comment section for today's post. While you're there, make sure you sign up to get my free newsletter so that we can stay in touch. Well, thanks for being with me, and I will see you next week on Leading and Learning. Thank you.